Hey, have you got bare walls at home or in your office? Do you want to surround yourself with the majesty and inspiration of our mountains? I'm talking truly incredible photography of Western North Carolina landscapes. RedRockPhotoNC.com. Stay tuned for details. It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Glad you are here. Thanks so much for listening. It is Friday, June 26th, 2020. Uh, The show is made possible by folks like Jim and Robbie and Rebecca and Taylor and Alan and Brian and Keith, Cheryl, Luella, David, Gary, NC38. I just read the names people give me. NC38, thank you very much, everybody, for becoming patrons of the program. And uh, they're supporting the show, have been for a long time. And you can, too, by visiting com, clicking the link at the top. You get exclusive content. You get bumper stickers. They're pretty much, you know, collector's items at this point. But uh, you know, I'm not bragging. But uh, I got a photo. Somebody saw one around town in Asheville. And so, like, we're on our way. Right. Uh, and uh, but no, honestly, it, it, it helps uh, offset the costs of actually doing the show. Uh, so, like, for example, the equipment and uh, like I just had to do an upgrade on the Internet in order to get uh, connection reliability. And so stuff like that, uh, the podcast uh, hosting uh, platform, stuff like that. That's what the patrons help support and uh, make possible. And. Uh, you also should join the Facebook group. We solve the world's problems in there every day. It's what we do on the Facebook group. It's all at the PeteCallenderShow.com. We got description uh, or links rather in the description of the podcast. You can check it all out uh, down there. Everybody excited about the masks? Yeah. State of North Carolina starting today at 5, Friday the 26th at 5 o'clock. Uh, we got the masks that are now going to become mandatory. Uh, no enforcement really, except for businesses to try to police this. So we'll get into that uh, in a minute. Uh, Also, Mattress Man helps make this show possible. It's true. Mattressmanstores.com. That's the website. Again, the links are at thepetecalendarshow.com. But Mattress Man, all this month, well, I say all this month, only now a couple more days, 000, 0% financing for uh, uh, for 24 months, so 0% APR for 24 months, zero money down on a new mattress, and zero payments for three months. I mean, win, win, win. It's going to run all this month in June. Go check out their inventory at mattressmanstores.com or go into one of their stores with a mask. They are wearing masks and they have the uh, the social distancing protocols down. They've got the uh, sanitizing of all of the registers and card readers and everything like that. So uh, they are doing their part to keep everybody safe that comes into their stores. But they understand, you know, people want to look at the stuff online maybe and you can do all of that. They've been doing it for months. They uh, they sort of, you know, overhauled their website when all of the COVID era began. And you can see all of their inventory at the website or in any of their four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. They have five-star local delivery service. And they have the 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. All right. So about the masks, huh? The masks are now mandatory statewide. Folks here in 
Buncombe County, we've already been dealing with this. So I kind of feel like we've had these arguments and now like the rest of the state gets to have these arguments that we were having. And so I'm hearing a lot of the same arguments. Uh, you probably are as well. But Governor Cooper made this official taking effect Friday, you know, today at five o'clock. We all have to wear the masks and it's going to run the uh, uh, this phase two is now on pause. We are not moving into phase three. We are not moving into phase two and a half or any other uh, rate, uh, uh, fraction of uh, the phasing. We are still at two. It's all on pause and it's going to be that way for another three weeks until July 17th. Trying, you know, looking back, I remember thinking, man, that governor of Virginia, that's just crazy. Like he, he put in place this stay home order and like locked down Virginia until like mid July or something. And everybody was like, that's crazy. That's not going to happen. And you know, here we are. Um, so Cooper goes out into his press conference at the emergency operations center. Now he's wearing a mask. This is interesting. Now he's taking the mask in with him and he's taking it off when he, uh, uh, comes to the podium to speak, and then he puts it back on when he steps away. So this is all new behavior. So he's sending the signal. He's leading by example. By the way, we're going to play our long-distance dedication to Governor Ray from Hillary in a minute. But first, here's Governor Cooper making the uh, announcement that uh, things are getting worse for us in the state. North Carolina has been careful in lifting COVID-19 restrictions. And it's because public experts, public health experts, warn that removing restrictions too fast or all at once can cause a dangerous spike in the virus that would overwhelm our medical system. That would not only harm people with COVID-19, but also those needing treatment for other conditions. Our cautious, cautious approach here oh my gosh. is like the dimmer switch rather than the on-off switch. Over the past weeks and months, even as we've slowly turned the dimmer switch up and eased restrictions, we've seen community spread of the virus increase in North Carolina. Okay, I know he's talking about a serious thing here, but holy Toledo, like how big is this man's tongue? I mean, is it in, is it his entire mouth? Seriously, how 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 do you have this many problems forming words? I don't understand. Is it a medication side effect? Is it denture related? I don't know if he wears dentures, and I'm not trying to be nasty or anything. It's just it's it's distracting. It's it's like to the point of um, it was like with uh, what's his face Mitt Romney, and he always used to do the. He would do this like in between every single sentence. And I get it. Everybody's got their ticks and crutches and stuff. But holy smokes, this is just, it's so annoying to me. <laughs> and yeah, and he also, he has this, this habit of punctuating the wrong parts of sentences. Doesn't anybody running the teleprompter know how to write for the I? Draw underlines under certain words, capitalize other words. What is going on, comms team? There's only 14,000 of you. How have you not figured out how to make this work yet? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm on a rant. Let me go back to the audio. Daily case counts have gone up. The percent of tests returning positive has stayed high. Since May 19th, the number of people hospitalized has increased 56% from being in the 500s to now over 900 in just a little over a month. 
Doctors and healthcare experts have warned that hospital capacity can be overwhelmed in the blink of an eye. And once we see that capacity is gone, it can be too late to reverse the tide. We are nowhere close to being at capacity for hospitals, by the way. I've got data on this I'll get into in a bit. But this, um, I guess this is the science and data and facts that Governor Cooper is relying on to make his decisions that he doesn't exactly share with us. Although if you look at the data they do share, hospitals are nowhere near being overwhelmed at this point. Nowhere near it. He then makes the announcement that we have all been waiting for uh, about lifting the Shio, moving us all into phase three. And there were a lot of business owners that were waiting to reopen because there are a lot of businesses that are still closed. We're going to get into that, too. So here was him uh, unveiling the big announcement. The numbers we see are a stark warning, and we must pay attention. Mm. I'm concerned. By the way, I did hear uh, former Governor Pat McCrory made a point of noting that the, I think it's the News and Observer, said, you know, they, they, they uh, characterized Governor Cooper as being concerned about the numbers. Why? Because he said he's concerned. And so that just becomes the story, which that's one of the benefits you get as a Democrat. And this is one of the things that people do not understand. They do not believe it if they are not uh, on the outside looking in. But Governor Cooper gets to walk in front of the press and say, I'm concerned about these numbers. And it just becomes the de facto narrative. It becomes the storyline. Governor Cooper is concerned. Right. Well, if Governor Cooper is so concerned, why has he taken certain steps and not taken other steps? Yes, this is the opening for me to talk about the nursing homes. I don't understand why we're still messing around with nursing homes as if this is not where the most vulnerable people are. And it's not where two thirds of all the deaths are occurring. Okay, back to his audio. As we've watched and studied and dissected these numbers in recent weeks, that concern has grown. Since the beginning of this pandemic, I've been clear that data and science would lead the way. Mm, yes, yes. In following that standard, it's clear that our numbers will keep us from moving ahead into the next phase of easing restrictions. So today I'm announcing that North Carolina will pause and continue our safer at home phase two for another three weeks. Now, this is not where we plan to be or wanted to be, but it is one of two important decisions that we need to make to effectively fight this disease. The other important decision is requiring face coverings when people are out in public. And that was the, <laughs> so it was a twofer. It was a, a one-two. He gave us the no reopen for you businesses. Sorry, you're just going to have to go bankrupt bars and gyms fitness centers restaurants too you're just gonna have to go out of business sorry gotta break some eggs to make the omelet you're gonna have to go out of business because i can't figure out how to protect people at nursing homes which is weird because it's not even like they're moving around a whole lot right you got a whole bunch of people in one area and they're literally not even leaving the premises all you have to do is screen the people coming in i know i've been saying this for weeks now weeks at some point, you would think that like this idea would make its way to the governor's administration. I'm not the only one saying this. 
Although sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> sometimes it does feel like that. Alrighty, so the face covering rules. Let's take a listen to these, shall we? People must wear face coverings when mm-hmm. in public places, indoors or outdoors, where physical distancing of six feet from other people who are not members of the same household or residence is not possible. They will be required for all employees and customers of retail businesses and restaurants, as well as workers in manufacturing, construction, meat processing, and agriculture settings. There are exceptions, including people with medical conditions and children under 11, 11, people who are at home and people who are walking and otherwise exercising outside when not within six feet of others. Overwhelming evidence that is growing by the week shows that wearing a face covering can greatly reduce the spread of COVID-19, especially from people who have it and don't know it yet. Face coverings are a simple way to control this virus while protecting ourselves, our families, and the other people around us. Okay, if you haven't seen the video of Governor Cooper, if you've never seen any of the video of him delivering these lines, I don't know because I don't watch the the news. Are they pulling clips from his press conferences and, and, and using them to tell the story? I don't know. But... He delivers these lines, and as he's saying it, you can hear it too. It comes through in his delivery. You can hear it. He's got a he's got a big smirk on his face, and he's doing this thing where he's kind of like, uh, how do I how do I describe it? Uh, come on, Pete, use your words. Let's see. It's um he does this thing with his shoulders, like kind of a a shoulder roll, left and right, then left and right, almost like Napoleon Dynamite, you know, doing the dance moves or whatever when he was practicing. Not that exaggerated. I mean, he wasn't that pronounced, but he's doing something with his shoulders, and and he does this thing, little head bob to the side, like <laughs> at the same time. Not a lot. He doesn't do it for long, but it's this it's this kind of one two three side to side side to side movement as he delivers these lines like i didn't want to have to do this but face masks can save lives you know it's almost like a dance he's doing it's just so weird to hear him saying this news <laughs> while while he's grinning and kind of dancing through it i don't get it i don't understand it <laughs> Uh, but I think it's him trying to connect. It's him trying to to give a pep rally. It's him trying, I don't know. It's him trying to be personable, be something other than the stiff that he obviously is. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just all right, resume the tape here. One important point here. Required face coverings not only cause zero harm to our economy, they in fact help our economy by making it safer to shop, do business, and keep our small businesses running. We're adding this new requirement because we don't want to go backward. We want to stabilize our numbers so we can continue to safely ease restrictions and most importantly, get our children back in school. He did it there again. Get our children back in school. Is he doing this because he knows he's just delivered bad news? And so, like he's talking to children, he's trying to use his uh, what nonverbal communication to try to convey the idea that it's going to be okay. See, look, I'm happy. It's cool. Face masks for everybody. Sorry, everyone's going bankrupt, but it's going to be fine. 
All is well. All is well. I urge everyone to be a leader in wearing face coverings. I encourage businesses to be strong in enforcing it. <laughs> Slowing the spread helps our economy. And these face coverings do that. And as we watch the trends during this pause, we hope to be able to ease restrictions on playgrounds, museums, and gyms on July the 17th, three weeks from Friday when this order expires. Now, I know this virus has been very difficult for business owners still under restrictions who are anxious to open their doors. We want them to open safely. The safety and health of our people is the top priority as we navigate this unprecedented challenge. Already, North Carolinians have come together to get us through this, supporting healthcare workers, small business owners, frontline workers, reaching out to those most in need of a helping hand, looking out for our neighbors who may be having a hard time right now. This virus has changed our day-to-day -day lives, but it won't change who we are. Yeah. So overnight camps, totally allowed. Playgrounds, still shut down. I said this the other day, but playgrounds are basically CrossFit gyms for children, right? So I guess on that front, it is kind of consistent because he's keeping all the gyms closed, too. I think I think Roy Cooper may have been injured by some sort of gym apparatus at some point in his childhood. He's got to be scarred. There's got to be some reason that he is keeping gyms closed. He says in that soundbite, he says, we want businesses to open safely. And by the way, this is one of the other things that kind of ticks me off. I, I key on this, and, and maybe I'm just nitpicking or whatever, and people say, you already are. But okay, well, then I might as well continue. So um, it, it, he starts off these sentences talking about how businesses are anxious to reopen. And I get it. You guys were hoping to reopen, and I, I sympathize. But then he's like, boom, onto something else. It, it, it strikes me as not believable, as not truly empathetic. He just says the words, and I don't know if that's him. I suspect it's not, actually. I suspect that if you got him in a room with a single business leader or business owner, rather, uh, who was saying, hey, I'm out of business, I'm going broke, like, I think he probably would be more sympathetic than he conveys. I think it's the speechwriters, the people that are putting this wall of text into the teleprompter, they don't know how to actually talk with a private business owner, that that works day and night from the moment they wake up until the moment they go to bed. I am learning this myself over the last six months, uh, that it is all the time. It is constant that you are working. And so while everybody's like, oh, they're all closed, all the businesses are closed, these business owners have actually been at their businesses trying to fix them up so they are good to go when they're allowed to reopen. That's what they've been doing. They've been trying to figure out ways to keep paying employees if they could. They've been trying to figure out ways to not have the uh, the, the the gym equipment repossessed or something, or uh, or you know the the property owner uh, kicking them out, um, kicking them out of their uh, their facility, right? Because they're not paying the rent, keeping the lights on, refinancing whatever they need to refinance, like the. These are people that are about to lose, if they haven't already, lose everything. And he gets up and he says, oh, I know you're anxious to reopen, but we got to think of health and safety. And then he moves on. 
Like, I'm sorry, like that's not enough. And that's why these business owners are like, you know what? Screw you, Governor Cooper, because that's where they're at at this point. That's where they're at, especially when you look at the other things that he is allowed to open, right? The idea that a gym owner doesn't know how to disinfect their equipment or space the equipment out to a point where they can, I mean, honestly, like, have you been to a gym? Are they exactly filled all the time? I mean, outside of like January, you know, <laughs> beginning of January, the first, <laughs> like the first two or three months or weeks of January, and then of course, like uh, around May when everyone's getting ready for swimsuit weather or whatever. But outside of those time frames, gyms are not terribly packed all the time, right? So you're telling me that these gym owners couldn't figure out a way to open up areas certain areas at a time. Okay, here's we're going to move like uh, five or six pieces of equipment into this zone and cordon it off. And then after people use it, then that clo- that zone closes and then this other zone opens. And then we disinfect that one zone. Do you think they don't know how to do this? This is what really ticked me off too, was there was um, a fellow by the name of Gene Woods, president and CEO of Atrium Health. And he was... Uh, they had him come down and uh, appear at this press conference as well. And he said he has seen firsthand the effects of COVID-19, but he also celebrated the public-private partnership going on, and he cited NASCAR. What our healthcare workers are requesting of all of us is that we follow the science. And the science says masking works. But I'm also here not just as someone who's pro-health. I'm here as someone who's 100% pro-business. In fact, I would argue that the two are inextricably connected. As an example, the Coca-Cola 600 ran successfully at the Charlotte Motor Speedway due to a partnership between the Speedway and the medical professionals at Atrium Health. They asked for and followed the counsel of our doctors with respect to screening, temperature checks, hand hygiene, social distancing, and wearing face masks at all times. In short, Charlotte Motor Speedway embraced the science, which allowed them to open smoothly and safely without disruption or spread of the virus. This is just one example of businesses working in concert with health professionals and how we can get back to work. In fact, it is the pathway to recovery. Okay, I agree. Well, why aren't these other businesses getting that luxury then? How come NASCAR gets to work with health officials to reopen what is a mass gathering? That's what that NASCAR race was. It was a mass gathering. You had pit crews all working side by side, huffing and puffing, much like in a gym, right? Oh, no, except these were this was an outdoor race. So therefore, it's so different, you see, right? So, uh, well, maybe gyms, fitness centers or Uh, health clubs or whatever maybe they could move some of their business operations outside would that be allowable could they do something like that right maybe there are things that they have thought of that you haven't govco officials far be it for me to suggest that government bureaucrats don't know everything but maybe they don't know everything maybe a business owner is going to be far more creative in developing a solution because their neck is on the line right the necessity is the mother of, of invention and they're going to figure out a way to make it work because they have to you just look at it and say well you know what i can't see it so you stay closed it's so easy for government officials to say that 
it's much more difficult for the business owner to do that because they're going to try to keep it open as best they can, and they're going to try to protect their clients because they don't want them to die. That's their client base. Come on, GovCo. Have you ever seen a photo of the Blue Ridge Mountains so stunning that you couldn't look away? Well, that was me when I first saw Stacy Redmond's work at redrockphotonc.com. Stacy is from Western North Carolina, shooting landscapes for two decades after he realized life is short. You don't get time back. So do what you love. Don't regret not spending time with family or chasing your dream. His work is brilliant, striking, and easily affordable for any space. See for yourself at redrockphotonc.com. Use promo code PETE for 20% off. That's redrockphotonc.com. Have you been trying to set up or improve your business's website? It can be overwhelming for any of us. I know it was for me. So let my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design help you with logos, graphics, photos, and online stores, search engine optimization, website maintenance, and security. For professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith Design. Make your site look professional and user-friendly for your customers and you so you can adapt quickly. SchaeferSmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. The show is also made possible by Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Current events have impacted us all in many different ways, and maybe you need to sell your house. But you're thinking, I don't want the traffic coming through my house right now. Well, Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they've got investors ready to tour your home virtually and potentially make a cash offer, saving you the hassle and stress of buyers having to walk through your home. Start out with a video consult with Rowena Patton. She's the only agent I would call if I'm buying or selling a house. You should, too. Call her today. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. The show is also made possible by Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Are you ready for disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for military surplus that's real? For more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's an old-school, traditional store with a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, and at oldgrouch.com. As of today, at 5 o'clock, June 26th, 5 o'clock, we got to wear face masks in North Carolina when we're out in public in order to reduce the spread of COVID-19 coronavirus. Governor Roy Cooper made the announcement at a news conference yesterday, or sorry, Wednesday, and the long-awaited third phase of reopening of shuttered businesses got delayed for at least three more weeks until July 17th. The delay is a blow to gyms, non-restaurant bars, amusement venues, and other businesses and locations that have been closed or operating at extremely reduced capacity. This is Paul Wolverton's story at the Fayetteville Observer. Cooper and North Carolina Health and Human Services Secretary Mandy Cohen said that these rules are needed because North Carolina's COVID-19 case rates are not declining. Tuesday saw the state's second highest single-day increase of infections, uh, with 1,721 newly reported cases. There were also 906 COVID-19 hospitalizations. That is also the second highest total so far during the pandemic. Hospitalizations, uh, Governor Cooper said, are 56% higher than they were on May 19th. All right, so that sounds really bad, right? It sounds terrible. Let me give you another way of looking at the data, shall we say. This is... 
Uh, I just did a Mitt Romney. Okay. This is Martin Zelder. He is a UNC Chapel Hill economist, and he submitted a column to the John Locke Foundation. This is published at the Locker Room, and we got the links at the Pete page at uh, the Patreon site. He says, the total number of recorded cases since the start of the epidemic must, by their very definition, grow larger every day. So the number of cases taken out of context provides little useful information, although it is emphasized with alarm by Roy Cooper and Mandy Cohen. The raw number of people in the hospital with coronavirus has, in fact, risen 11 percent since June 13th. This is not surprising since the number of diagnosed coronavirus cases has risen 38 percent since June 13th. Okay, you hear that? Two different pieces of data, right? The raw number of people in the hospital has gone up 11 percent, but the number of total cases has gone up 38%. So when you combine these two facts, it tells us that the fraction of coronavirus patients in the hospital is actually low. It's 1.7%. And that is the lowest number we have seen since the start of the pandemic. Right? By the way, this is what happens when people get the virus. Uh, they don't have comorbidity factors or uh, they... Um, you know, they, they catch it soon enough or whatever. They don't have a lot of viral load and they go in and they get treated and they uh, they recover very quickly in the hospital and then they're out. That's like this is what would normally occur. But what drove a lot of the the spike in the cases or in the deaths, I should say, hospitalizations and deaths was nursing homes. Exactly. OK, so he says this tells us that while case numbers are growing, the fraction of those cases sick enough to be in the hospital is actually falling. And this is clearly good news. Also, the raw number of total coronavirus deaths has risen since the start of the epidemic and is now 1,251, or about 120 deaths for each 1 million people living in North Carolina. 120 deaths per million people in the state. Since June 13th, the number of deaths has risen by 13%. That is much slower than the growth in new cases, though. What does that mean? It means that the coronavirus death rate as a fraction of those hospitalized has fallen for weeks, and it's now at its lowest level since April 15th. Again, good news. While case numbers are growing, the fraction of those cases who are so sick that they don't survive the virus, that fraction's getting smaller. So, North Carolina's mortality rate is low compared to other states. In fact, it's 17th lowest among the 50 states. This is good news. Do you hear this in the governor's press conferences? You don't have to answer that. I watch them. I can tell you. No, you do not. Because I do not. Unless he's got like some other press conference that I'm not aware of. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that's what's happening. Uh, also got this message from... Tim at Old Grouch, uh, Old Grouch's military surplus, he said, Pete, a quick note, the governor's mask mandate says that law enforcement can't enforce it against people, but if people are inside my business, I can be fined. So I have to be his agent of enforcement under threat of a fine? He wants me to swear out trespassing charges against customers who don't follow the law? take my time away from running my business and press charges against the people who violate his mandate while not allowing the police to enforce it? Two observations. First, this serves to make the business owners the bad guys and not the state. He's forcing us to do his work that he refuses to have the police do. 
Second, that means if 10 people come into my store without masks, I could be penalized. But if 10 people are at a protest without masks, it can't be enforced against anybody by the police uh, except the property owner if they're actually even on private property. Almost like it was by design to make it impossible for any protesters to be charged. It is very clear in reading through the executive order, as I have, and the FAQ, the Frequently Asked Questions, which, by the way, how is it an FAQ when they're, when it's a brand new order? You, you wouldn't know what a Frequently Asked Question is because it's all brand new, right? You haven't... <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a Q&A, but whatever. It's an FAQ that they put this out, and it is very clear that they do not want this to be enforced against certain people against certain people right and this is and all right maybe i'll give them the benefit of the doubt here maybe it's you know we're trying to do as much as we can while trying not to infringe on everybody's uh you know rights as much as possible their freedoms and such but i i would be more willing to give them that benefit of the doubt had i not you know just lived through the last four months and and watch them you know, denigrate people for wanting to go to church uh, and, uh, you know, attack people and scold them for uh, endangering lives, being reckless and uh, irresponsible for wanting to go to church or go to a, uh, a racetrack, right? He drops the hammer on those people pretty darn quickly. But, oh, well, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to make anybody wear a mask because then if I do that, I mean, yes, we could save all of the lives that I was, you know, uh, condescending to these other people a couple of weeks ago saying that they didn't care about people. And if we could save North Carolinians lives, like that's really what this is all about. So you got to go out of business and you got to go bankrupt. You got to go into poverty in order to save these people's lives. I mean, I'm not going to do anything about the nursing homes, but you need to do all of that stuff to save people's lives. But I don't want to tell people to wear masks because if I tell people to wear masks, some people might not be able to afford a mask. And then, you know, we would be arresting people and basically criminalizing poverty. And so I don't want to do that i also don't want to do it because like there might be people who have uh you know uh, some other reason they're not wearing a mask besides poverty uh they may be targeted for not wearing a mask because of the color of their skin or something and so i I don't want that person to get a record uh either so yes so let's just i tell you what why don't we find the businesses there we go let's go after the business owners we'll make them enforce our rules um back to the uh Paul Wolverton piece at the Fayetteville Observer. Cooper's mask mandate. It applies to people who are within six feet of non-family members. It applies indoors and outdoors. There are exceptions, including for children under age 11 and people who have health issues that a mask would affect. How do you determine that? Good question. How do you (laughs) determine who has an exception and who doesn't? Let me go to, let's see here, do, 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 do. is this the, yeah, here we go. This is the actual order itself. Well, it, I mean, there's like 20 pages here. All right. Um, anyone who declines, or do you want, I'll go, I can go through all the exceptions. You should not wear it if you have a medical condition, a behavioral condition under the age of 11, if you are actively eating or drinking. So like, that's my out right there. That's my loophole. Actively eating or drinking. I'm just going to just be constantly you know, consuming alcoholic beverages. I think that's what that means. So as long as I'm just guzzling the booze constantly, I don't have to wear a mask. Um, 
you could be strenuously exercising, so that's not happening, right? Seeking to communicate with somebody who is hearing impaired in a way that requires the mouth to be visible, so in other words, somebody needs to read lips, giving a speech for a broadcast or to an audience if you're working at home, uh, if you're in a personal vehicle, if uh, you're trying to secure government or medical services, if you would be at risk from wearing a face covering at work as determined by local, state, or federal regulations, uh, if you have found that your face covering is impeding visibility, which I have found that to be the case, by the way. Have you? The people wearing masks, they tend to be the ones that don't see the arrows on the floor telling you which aisles to walk up and down in the grocery store. Have you noticed that? But yeah, like I put the mask on and it sticks out so far <laughs> under my eye that I, I have to make like an intentional effort to like lean over and see the arrows to make sure I'm going down the right aisle <laughs> in the grocery store. Um, all right. So anybody who declines to wear a face covering for uh, for any of these reasons should not be required to produce documentation or any other proof of a condition. So you can just say you have these conditions. You can just say that I have a medical condition or a behavioral condition or some sort of a disability, and that's why I don't need to wear a mask. So if you walk into a business and the business owner is worried about getting charged uh, for not complying with GovCo's SHIO, then uh, he says, well, uh, hey, Pete, you need to... Uh, you, you need to wear a mask. And then I say, no, 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 I have a behavioral condition. It's called anti-authoritarianism I, uh, or contrarianism, whichever. Um, well, you know, one's the scientific term and then the other one. Anyway, I have this condition. I don't have to wear a mask. And now you're covered. But actually, you don't even have to ask. Right? You don't even have to ask. As the business owner, you don't even have to ask. Under the executive order, all North Carolinians will be on the honor system about whether or not there is a reason why they cannot wear a face covering. <laughs> Everyone in this state is asked to tell the truth. Oh, okay, well, that'll do it. That'll do it. Well, see, Governor Cooper is asking you to tell the truth here. So please. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Oh, he's asking. Okay. Well, then I'll tell the. Okay, I actually don't have a behavioral issue. I can wear the mask. Okay, you got me. Please, he says, if you are healthy and able to wear a mask, please do so. Enforcement. Citations under this section shall be written only to businesses or organizations that fail to enforce the requirement to wear face coverings. Operators of businesses and organizations are entitled to rely on their customers or patrons' statements about whether or not they are accepted from the face-covering requirements, and businesses and organizations do not violate this executive order if they rely on such statements. What does that mean? We're leaving it up to businesses to decide um, how they're going to enforce it, but if people tell, or, you know, how, how do they go up to people and ask or whatever, but you don't have to, um, you don't have to ask these things. They're entitled to rely on customers' statements. They don't need proof of anything, right? All you need to do, you post the stuff at the front, wear masks, wear masks. You could throw somebody out of your business if you're demanding they wear a mask and they refuse. You can call the cops and have a trespassing charge against them. But that's it. That's it. That's the total enforcement mechanism put in place here by the SHIO. Citations... Um, this is law enforcement personnel cannot criminally enforce the face covering requirements of this order. Literally says that in the FAQ. 
They cannot enforce <laughs> the executive order. So it's more like an executive suggestion, I, I take it, right? It's an executive suggestion, a recommendation. Now, part of the problem is going to be trying to create a mask culture in America, and that's going to take some time, okay? It's, just, it's going to take time. There are societies in the world that have mask face-covering cultures. Uh, they tend to be Asian countries. And by the way, though that is a fairly new cultural adaptation, right? South Korea, Japan, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, they... they they started wearing these masks because they saw what happened, what, 10, 20 years ago with SARS and the bird flu and swine flu. So after they have been through it like three or four times, they're like, you know what, let's let's everybody mask up. And now everybody knows uh, how to, you know, quickly put the masks on. Everybody's got them. And like you're making all of the masks, you know where to get them, everything like that. Um, YouGov, since mid-March, YouGov has been tracking changes in personal behavior they've been watching you no i'm kidding but they've been it's been surveys they've been doing these surveys all around the world and listen to this the share of people who say they're wearing a mask when in public places this is the share of people who self-report they people are saying that they are wearing the masks singapore is about 90 percent china is well i'm not even going to bother because we all know china lies about this stuff spain up to 87 percent the United States, up to 69%. The UK is only at 27%. Again, a lot of these Asian countries have more universal compliance because the culture already exists because of their past experience with these airborne illnesses. Um, and my understanding of these studies is that you need a high compliance rate in order to see the real benefits of wearing masks, right? Uh, you got to have somewhere, I think it's like around 80% or something like that. Um, and this also then leads to the question of why wasn't this done earlier? Well, Dr. Fauci said, I think I went over this yesterday, Dr. Fauci has talked about how uh, at the very beginning they told everybody don't wear masks, masks aren't really that useful, and they did that. They lied because they wanted to make sure there were enough masks for frontline hospital and medical workers. And so they they made it they they had two bad options and they chose the bad option that they felt more comfortable with. And they made a, a judgment call. And look, like these are really tough decisions. I don't like the fact that I got lied to about that. I don't. And now we are still dealing with the fallout because you still have people that are like, masks are crap, they don't work. If they worked, then why didn't they tell us to wear them earlier? Well, they lied to you. They lied to you at that point because they wanted to preserve the masks for the medical professionals who were treating all of the COVID uh, patients to, to try to save their lives, to try to prevent these doctors and nurses from dying because they've contracted it uh, at the hospitals. So they, they, they lied. And that means other people died. It means different people died, not hospitals uh, or uh, doctors and nurses. It means people that aren't in those professions died. Because they, right? Because everybody wasn't masking up. Now I don't know how many people are going to die in the future because of all the masking uh, that hasn't been occurring up until now. But you know, look. Again, I've said this many times. If masking and everybody wearing these face coverings, if we can get a high enough compliance rate that it actually uh, saves some lives, 
It's really not that big of a deal to me. I really, it, for real, like it, it's not that big of a deal to me. I will wear the masks. I don't view it as, you know, government telling me what to do and all this. Uh, I, I think I said this the other day. It's like not pointing a gun at somebody at the at the pistol range, right? I'm not doing that for my own protection. I'm doing that for their protection. I'm not being a jerk. Anyway, um, not that I'm saying if you don't wear it, you're a jerk. I'm not saying that. Okay. Uh, I am saying, though, I put together the audio clip of the long-distance dedication to Governor Ray from Hillary. And by the way, the reason why we call him Ray Cooper, Governor Ray, why we call him Ray, is because Hillary Clinton called him Ray at a campaign stop in 2016 in North Carolina talking about how, you know, we're going to elect this, you know, the great Attorney General Ray Cooper to be governor, you know, my good friend Ray Cooper. <laughs> so long distance dedication. Here you go. We love Gov. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Thank you, Governor. I'm grateful for your commitment to ensuring our state moves forward responsibly based on science and data. Your leadership and the collective efforts of North Carolinians have prepared us to move into phase two. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. Appreciate your leadership. And uh, we're grateful that you have put these numbers together. And it's something that uh, the people of North Carolina can see for themselves. <laughs> Thank you, Governor. I'm grateful for your steadfast leadership. Oh, yeah. And as we confront this challenging time for our nation, I thank you for your commitment to equity as we work to protect the health and well-being of North Carolinians. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your continued leadership during these unprecedented times and challenging times. Oh, yeah. Governor did great. I express our gratitude to you, Governor Cooper, for your steadfast leadership during these most challenging times. Steadfast. Thank you, Governor. And thank you for your ongoing leadership and for the decisive actions that you continue to take to help protect North Carolinians during this pandemic. Yes, sir. Thank you, Governor. Uh, the Governor was right on the money with what he said. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Thank you, Governor. Thanks to your leadership, We've been taking aggressive action, and the good news Ooh. is it's working. Yes. Thank you, Governor. Thank you for your leadership of Team North Carolina. I, I think you did a great job, Governor. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. I don't think I could say better than the Governor. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. So continued stability in these trends is a real positive for our state and a testament to aggressive early action taken by the Governor Governor did great. I'm convinced. See, they just said it enough times over the last three months that I believe it now. Who knew? That's all it took. I mean, granted, they weren't playing the music underneath. But, uh, yeah, those are all different clips from the governor's press conferences over the past three months. Not even. Yeah. Every single time these people get up there, it's like they've got a lavish praise on the guy. Because if they just tell us enough times that he's been providing this decisive and steadfast leadership um, during you know these difficult times, challenging times. Uh, if we just, they just keep saying it, then everybody will be like, oh yeah, thank goodness he's there. Thank goodness Roy's in charge. The North Carolina House 
could not overcome Roy Cooper's veto on a bill that would have reopened gyms and bars. Uh, That seals the fate of hundreds of businesses around the state. They'll be going out of business. The override attempt came after Governor Roy Cooper's announcement uh, that his three-part reopening plan is actually going to stall at the second part. This was House Bill 594. Uh, The General Assembly has passed a series of bills that would would try to reopen various businesses uh, that Cooper has kept shut down. Um, there's a bill that I think is still on the governor's desk at this point to reopen bowling alleys and roller rinks. Uh, that's still, uh, not been vetoed yet, but he vetoed every other bill that he's gotten on this because in this case, the, uh, governor would have needed the concurrence from the council of state before closing any businesses. And, uh, by the way, the, uh, 47 other states have allowed gyms to reopen. Right. So we are one of now three states that have that are keeping gyms closed. He vetoed the bill ostensibly because he did not want to have to go to the Council of State to get consent. Um, which has now prompted Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, who is running against Governor Cooper for the uh, the, the governorship. It has prompted Dan Forrest to now threaten a lawsuit. He starts a letter This came in Thursday afternoon, yesterday afternoon. On March 17th, 2020, you issued Executive Order Number 118, entitled Limiting Operations of Restaurants and Bars and Broadening Unemployment Insurance Benefits uh, in Response to COVID-19. And that executive order contains Section 1, which limited the sale of food and beverages by restaurants to carry out drive-thru and delivery only. You had requested concurrence from the Council of State, but, as I am sure you'll recall, a majority of the members of the Council of State felt that a further discussion was needed, and therefore you did not concur in, uh, and they did not concur in your request. Despite the Council of State's objections, you proceeded to issue the order anyway. Right? The Council of State is all of the statewide elected officials: Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, Attorney General, um, you know, Ag Commissioner, Insurance Commissioner, Labor Commissioner. Superintendent of Public Instruction. And most of the seats on the Council of State are held by Republicans. And they were all like, we don't like this idea of closing all these bars and restaurants. And Governor Cooper had sought consent. And when uh, when he sent it over to them to get their consent and they started talking amongst themselves, Cooper went ahead and did it anyway, despite not having the consent. Lieutenant Governor Forrest then notes on March 27th, there was Executive Order 121. Uh, April 23rd, there was another order which extended the stay at home. Um, You did not seek concurrence with the Council of State for either of those two orders, just like with the first. Now we're at three. The fourth order on May 5th did not seek concurrence with the Council of State. Uh, Fifth order, May 20th, still no concurrence. Sixth order now from this week, uh, uh, that's uh, Executive Order 147 on the mask wearing and the prolonging of, of Phase 2. You also did not seek or receive concurrence of the Council of State for this order. The Emergency Management Act requires that you seek and receive concurrence from the Council of State prior to exercising the most expansive statewide emergency powers of the governor. I do not believe that any provision found in general statute or any other provision of the North Carolina law eliminates the requirement of Council of State approval before you can exercise these extensive powers. The Constitution of this state does not create a unitary executive, but rather it disperses executive power throughout the Council of State. 
your exercise of these emergency powers without the concurrence of the Council of State makes it impossible for me, as Lieutenant Governor, and all of the other members of the Council of State to fulfill our oaths to uphold the laws of North Carolina. I ask that you waive the requirements of this other statute to allow me to be represented by counsel other than the Attorney General. So this is what he's asking in this letter. He, because he, as Lieutenant Governor, he's represented by the AG. And so he says, I need you to waive this this law so I can be represented by another law uh, lawyer. Why? So I can sue you. <laughs> so I can, right? <laughs> so I can sue you. Um, he says, uh, I want to file suit to require you to follow the Emergency Management Act and allow me to fulfill the duties of my office. It is my position that the Attorney General has a conflict of interest in that his office assisted in the drafting of all of these executive orders at issue. I also understand the budget crunch brought about by the COVID-19 shutdown, and rather than employing outside counsel, I plan on using my in-house general counsel. I respectfully ask for your reply to this request no later than 4 p.m. today. So Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest is finally doing what a lot of the reopen NC people have been clamoring for, which is what? To sue the governor. And he's trying to do it now. But first, he's got to make sure that the attorney general isn't going to be his lawyer because he's not going to good. He's not going to have a good lawyer. <laughs> he's not going to have if it because Josh Stein is a Democrat. Josh Stein has been at the news conferences. Josh Stein has been helping his fellow Democrat governor draw up the executive orders. So obviously he's not going to be a good lawyer for you, right? So he needs to get out of that first. We'll see what happens on that. That's a wrap for the uh, for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, give it a thumbs up in the reviews, and consider becoming a patron of the program. You get the cool stuff, you get the exclusive content. Links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Music.